Colossians chapter 3 um, is where we're going to be, but I want to build up to it a little bit. I'm excited about what God's doing. God's done some great things. I, I, I had a, one of the men in our church that said, I put my son that I've had kind of a, a, a distance between us. We haven't been talking all the way since Christmas. And, and, and I've just been praying, God, let him connect to me. I, I've tried everything that I can. And within that work of, uh, week of him fasting and praying, he got a text message from him, his son saying, Dad, I miss you. I love you. And all of a sudden you say, how is that possible? That's what God does. God breaks through when you say, I've done all that I can and I can't do any more. Then let God take over and God do things. But we seek God through prayer. I had somebody tell me a story about somebody being saved that they were praying for. They didn't even go out and reach to them. They, they just responded within their hearts and I got under conviction. They got saved during our 21 days of us praying. I had somebody else that called me up. They called me up at night and they said, Pastor Tony, I was sitting in the ER. We were there for another problem. There was a hurting family. Our family was able to step into their situation and God did so many cool things that I would have never expected it to be. She said, Pastor Tony, I don't know if you know this or not, but God is working through this praying thing. I said, absolutely, God's working. God works through prayer. God works through us. But it's cool how God brings us to our response when we do these things. The Bible says, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your hearts. You're going to pursue God and you're going to find God. What I mean by that is you say, well, I'm already saved. Well, praise God for that. But you're going to discover his character. You're going to discover what he has for you as a Christian. You're going to discover what it means to be a better mom or a better dad. What it means to experience God's help when you're inviting people to church and people that have written God off, you're going to say there's a power that intervened in that. That's what you find when you seek after God. God, I can't do this, but I need your help. God, I can't figure this out, but I need your wisdom. You're pursuing God. It's, a, it's an act of going after God. Brings a reaction. Stay in your Bibles in Colossians. But let me bring you on a little journey to get there. I'm going to just set up Psalms 138 verse 2. David was writing... And David was responding to the goodness and the working of God. He said, I will worship towards the holy temple and praise thy name. And then you say, why was he doing this? For thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all name. Two things that we find in this passage. He said, I will worship and I will praise. A lot of times those two get kind of connected together. We, we talk about praise and worship in church, or I'm going to praise and worship in my car, listening to music and things. But praise and worship actually has two different kind of meanings to them. They're related, they're connected. Let me give you an illustration. Praise is a physical and emotional response to the greatness of God. You guys know something that really, really cool that just happened. I don't know if you guys realize this. Last Sunday, Thrive Church that met in the library, in a library, a public library, had 54 people, four guests, and one person gave their life to Jesus Christ last Sunday up in Dublin, Ohio. This was their worship service that they had. Now i got to ask you guys a weird question. What's all this noise you're making when I'm talking about something that God's doing? Everybody just started applauding. Say, well, Pastor Tony, that's a natural response that us humans have when we're celebrating something that happened that was good. It is something that comes from our hearts to say, wait a minute, somebody was saved? Somebody that was on their way to hell and now they're going to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ because Christians rose up to tell the gospel and I got to be part of that? Yes, I'm going to celebrate that. That is something that moves inside of us. We don't do that ourselves. It is the Spirit of God that does that. 
And when God begins to move as a creature, as somebody that God created, as somebody that I'm not going to be competing with the rocks for them to cry out, I am as God's chosen person that has called me out of darkness into his light. I'm going to celebrate what God has done. So yes, sir, I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to say amen. I'm going to raise my hands. You say, why are you doing that? Because my God is worthy of it. He deserves the praise. Way greater than than a touchdown. God deserves praise. God deserves greater glory and praise than the Buckeye team, okay? And I know that's sensitive to say in a group like this. The Bible talks about the response that we have. Then he was saying, I will praise and worship. Let me just focus before we get to Colossians about that praise part. The Bible says in Psalms 98 verse 4, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Christians say, well, praise God for that. That sounds good. I should be doing that. I will make a praise. I will make a a noise when I stand up to sing. Can I finish the verse before Christians sit there and say, well, I believe in that, making praise to God, as long as we don't go too crazy with it, make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praises. I know that makes a lot of Baptists nervous, but I tell you, it's in the Bible. And God wrote the Bible. And we came here to read the Bible. You know what that means? We have every right to get louder in here than they do at a stadium when they're throwing pigskin around, okay? We have, we have more to celebrate as we celebrate the fact that we're, we serve the risen Savior. He's in the world today. We can celebrate the fact that we have the gospel to share on Easter Sunday. I have the gospel to share today. I don't have to wait till Easter Sunday. I can sing about the risen Savior. I can clap my hands and raise my hands and shout hallelujah. You know why? Because I'm on the winning side. Are you guys on the winning side? Does everybody in here understand that we are celebrating and praising God? It's a response to what God is doing. It's something good. The Bible has the book of Psalms, and Psalms is filled with all this praise. I will praise thee. I will praise thee. There's Psalms written to God. There's odes written to God. There's celebration of the things of God. He gets to the last chapter. You know how he ends the last chapter? Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him for his permanent power. Praise him for his mighty act. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpets. Praise him with the soldering harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath, that's us, that's you. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, it ends with. Over and over again, it emphasizes this. I'm, 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 I'm no deep scholar, okay, I study the Bible, but I'm going to tell you, I think I figured out what that verse is trying to tell us. I think it's saying, if you think about it, that Christians are supposed to praise the Lord. We're supposed to be excited about the things of God. Literally meaning, as it comes into our brain, into our hearts, it should come out of our reactions as we sing, as we clap, as we raise our hands, as we shout, because we're shouting for victory. The Bible goes into detail of how to praise the Lord. Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. When we get done with this song, and we're singing about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ, do not hesitate to take your hands and start making noise with them because it's in the Bible. And I've had people say, I don't know what kind of church this is. We're going to be a Bible church, by the way. That's what we're going to be. We just celebrate what God has done. We, we make a noise about things that are worth making noise about. We, we, we have a natural reaction to say, man, I am saved because of what he did on the cross. And I'm going to celebrate what he did on the cross because he did it for me. 
did it for me. The Bible talks about lifting up your hands. Thus I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. And people say, it makes me nervous. Don't, make it li- don't let it make you nervous. We're going to do it for all eternity. When we get before God, you're not going to sit there and be like, I'm all nervous to be here. No, you're, gonna, you're just going to let it rip. <laughs> I promise you. You're, you're just going to lift up your hands. You know why? Because you're standing in the presence of the great I am. You're praising the one that died for you. But let me tell you something. We don't have to wait to get there to do that. We can praise God now. Actually, we should praise God now. You say, how do you know that? Read Psalm 150 again. He said, praise God. He said, let us praise him. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Bless the Lord. When you're watching a sports game, you sit there and we automatically, we'll stand from our couch and lift up our hands. You know why? Yes, that's what I wanted. That's the victory. We're, we're, we're celebrating. We're, we're, we're standing in victory of that. Lifting up your hands is another way of just praising God. It's acknowledging him. It's an, it's an act of surrender. It's an act of worship. It's an act of praise. Don't be afraid to praise God. Sing loud. Clap your hands. Praise his name. Raise your hands. I'm not talking about drawing attention to ourselves. And I know that's the thing that makes some people nervous about. I just want you to know, Psalms 138 verse 2. He says, I will worship toward the temple and praise thy name. I, I, I wanted to just kind of show the distinction because it's in the Bible and sometimes we get them confused. But I really want to focus about our personal worship. I want to talk to what, not, not just the corporate, not what we're just doing in this room right now, but I want to talk about focusing on seeking God through personal worship. It's different. In Colossians 3.1, if ye be, if, listen, listen, if ye then be risen with Christ, that's us. Do you know what it means to be risen with Christ? Just like what baptism defines or demonstrates with this. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was buried in the likeness of his death, but I was raised to walk in newness of life. In Colossians chapter 1, you know what he's demonstrating here? He's saying, you know what? The same victory that Jesus Christ had on the cross because he came out of the grave is the same victory that we have. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above you're talking about a commission. You're talking about what, what we're preaching about, about seeking God. He's talking about set your affections. Put your mind on things above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, symbolizing the victory that he's not dead in a tomb. He's risen it up in heaven. And then he says in verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. Set your affections, your mind on Christ, your mindset, your thoughts. But can I emphasize this? Because I know that I'm going to step on some toes today. And I promise you I'm doing it from the bottom of my heart because I'm, I'm preaching the Bible today. Set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. It's not a matter. I, I have to deal with things on this earth. I'm, I'm, I'm going to drive cars and deal with people and, and I'm, I'm, all the things that deal with everyday life. But what he's telling me to do is to set my affection, my desire, my craving my adoration, my worship, my praise. Set those things on things above, not on things of this earth. We set aside time of fasting and praying. You know why we do that? Because we're setting our affections on things above, not on things on this earth. I'm setting aside whatever you've given up and food and things because I want my heart to be drawn toward what I love more. And all of a sudden in that, I'm seeking God not only through my prayer and Bible reading, but I'm seeking him through my worship because my affections are set on things above. 
Colossians 3.16, if you jump down to the middle of the chapter towards the end, we have application to this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now let me back up. Notice what it said. It ties into the message that we had last week. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. here's here's what we're doing by this. It's it's letting it dwell in your hearts. We talked about the power of God's word and how God's word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and it convicts and it changes and it illuminates. It it, it, It draws us closer to God because it's alive. I'm not up here giving you guys instructions out of some archaic book. I'm telling you what the Bible says out of the living Bible which he speaks to us through the spirit of God as I'm preaching. It is alive and moving and working. It's, it's all of those things that is there. The Bible says, let it dwell in you. Let it dwell in you. Let it take up residence in you. Let it, let it not just be a Sunday thing where I come in and say, well, give me some of the word of God. The Bible is literally saying the things or the, the, the word of God and the promises of God and the character of God and all these things, let it dwell in me. Let it take up residence. I live in Canal Winchester. That is my home. When I'm not here, I live there. I sleep there. I stay there. You know why? Because that's where I dwell. God is saying with his word, I want to step into your life to be there all the time. It's not a matter of going to school or work and I, I, I talk one way and act one way and whatever. And get, just say, well, when we come to church, people will say things like, I can't believe you just said that. It's like, why? Well, you're in church. You realize that the Holy Spirit of God is with you at home when you're acting wrong the same way that he's with you when you're in church acting wrong? He doesn't, he's not some sort of spiritual bubble where he's hanging out in the back room of the church where he comes out to visit you when you come here. He's in your life. The Bible says, let it dwell in you. Let it take up residence. Let it take over your life. It says dwelling you richly. The word richly means abundantly. If somebody says, man, that dude's loaded, he's, got, he's rich, it means he's got a lot of money. The Bible is literally saying with this passage, let the word of God take up every aspect of your life, dwell with you richly, abundantly, a lot of it. Let it be the theme of your life. Now, know what I'm saying right now is something that we'd also will amen to it, but there's an application to it. Is the word of God and the things of God and the character of God and the blessings of God truly residing or dwelling in your life. See what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, which is application. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in the Lord. Notice how it has a semicolon. It is a connecting thought. When the word of God dwells in your heart, when we truly seek after God through fasting, praying, reading our Bible, and the power of God begins to have an effect in our life, there's a conjunction. There's something that connects to this. It will have an effect on you. It will draw you into personal worship with God. I am going to be thinking about God all the time. The same way when you first start dating somebody, and you're like, oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm captivated by them. I'm, I'm drawn to them. I, you get around your friends, and they say, let me guess, you're going to talk about, and they mention the person's name. Why? You're, you're captivated by them. The Bible's saying, if you get to know God, you're going to be captivated by God to where all of a sudden, what's going through your mind all the time is the things of God, or who he is and his character. He, he, he said this, teaching and admonishing one another. 
he's talking about this personal worship. Notice what it says at the end. It's singing. Singing. You say, well, we did that today. No, no, stop. With grace in your heart to the Lord. The word of God comes in. It does something to the inside of us. And we begin to sing and make melody in our hearts to the Lord. There's a reaction that happens. This is where, where I'm, I'm talking about getting real with this and not just saying, well, I sang to God on Sunday. It's deeper than that, deeper than uh, praising God on Sunday. There are two passages in the Bible that speak and uh, teach the same principle in this. The other one, some of you might know even by quoting it. Ephesians 5.19, you know it by memory. Speaking to yourselves in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The making melody part, I'm not a music person. Jenny can tell you that when it comes to music, I know nothing about it. But I know about enough about this. The melody that it's talking about making in your heart is any kind of words or sounds that are stirred up that bring a pleasant response to God. Words and sounds, music and things like that. When you're listening to music, it does something to, to consume your mind. And all of a sudden, you begin to repeat it. You sing it. You say it. You mouth it. Whatever. But it's consuming your mind. Where the Bible says what you're actually doing in that moment. You're making melody in your heart. It's pleasant for God to know that what's on your heart, what's on your lips, and what's on your mind right now is the things of God. God gave us a powerful tool of worship to be able to do this. And I'm going to be a little more pointed than just worship. There's different ways to worship, but I'm going to go into Colossians 3.16 and explain this. We are talking about seeking God. And when it comes to seeking God, music is a tool that directs our affections towards God. Now, there's a lot of things. I could talk about the Word of God. It's something that directs our affection towards God. But I'm talking about taking this a little bit further. I'm talking about exactly what he's saying because let me, let me just be honest. Music affects all of us in this world. I mean, every TV commercial, every video that we watch, all this other stuff. Music is a tool that was given by God to address our affections. It puts our mind on God. It puts our thoughts on God. Music is powerful. And pulls your mind to a certain things. Let me ask you this, or think about this. Have you ever noticed, if you're watching a movie, and something bad is about to happen, you know something bad is about to happen, why? They change the music. Because it's all eerie and serious or whatever. Or if something happy is about to happen, they change the music. Music was created to have power. I talked about the Word of God having power, and I'm not trying to compare music to the same thing, but I'm going to tell you that music was created by God wasn't something, man, the devil has hijacked it, but it originally, it was created by God. And God created it to have an emotional connection to our hearts and minds. God made it this way. So here's an honest question. Are we, in our personal lives, using music to pull our attention towards God? You don't have to answer that out loud. Being honest, the music that a lot of people listen to in the secular world glorifies the sin rather than the God that died for the sin. It praises the sin that Jesus died for to set us free from. What is popular music today does the opposite of what we're talking about. God talks about purity and it sings about sex. And I'm not talking about even marriage. I'm talking about premarital sex. It, it uses words. It drops the F-bomb. It talks about all these things. And, and I used to be able to 
Like when I was in my office, I thought, I, I'm so out of touch. I'm not going to list groups. I'm not going to list names. You know why? Because I'd be up here talking about the Backstreet Boys and people, you know, just like, I, I just, I, I have no idea. I'm not in that world. But I just looked up and I was like, what are the top 10 groups and songs that are popular even right now? I was going to put some of the lyrics on. Lord is my witness. I could not put those lyrics on the screen. I could not put them on the screen. I, well, you're welcome. But yeah, it was like, <laughs> felt like I was debating in my mind. I was like, maybe I should. And it was like, what in the world has happened? They're, they're, they, you used to say, wow, they crossed the line. We're way past crossing a line. But I'm going to ask you just some serious questions. <clears throat> when it sings more about drinking and hitting the club and it cusses and it curses and it talks about women and talks about men in a way that God did not intend for us to be talking about, especially outside of marriage, and it talks about sex, and it talks about hooking up and everything else, I have one question for you. Does this honor God? And I, I just asked you to yourself, when you're listening to the radio and you're driving on the road, and you're, I don't care if it's R&B or rap, or I don't care if it's rock or light rock or whatever you want to call it, I've got one, and you're like, well, you're an old fundy Baptist preacher. What? No, I'm, I'm just trying to be biblical. And by the way, his word will be applicable to every generation doesn't fade away we will acknowledge the fact that we struggle with fear anxiety problems depression whatever and we're not going to be serious about the garbage causing this we're not going to be real about what's captivating our minds and filling our minds with things that are opposite of God to be holy for I am holy is not just something you do from 11 to 12 o'clock on Sunday morning there is something that God has said, let the word of God dwell in you richly, literally and completely, abounding in your mind, consuming your minds, because we're to set our affection on things above, not on things of this earth. We have problems. We're not, being, we're not willing to address directly what those problems are. Let me ask you another question. Does the music that you normally listen to, does it worship God? Does it pull you closer to God? And even then, some people say, well, there's some music that's just kind of in the middle. The music that I'm talking about pulls you directly the opposite way. God says, be holy. It's not talking about holiness. God talks about put your affections on things above. And it's, it's talking about the things of this earth that we wouldn't even talk about in public. We're singing and, 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 and playing these things in our ear pods and earbuds and our our car radios and in our houses does it edify your life does it pull you closer to God does it make you think about God if our hearts belong to God then why would we fill it full of garbage if he died on the cross to set us free from these things then why would we literally sing about the very things that God on the cross said yeah I died to set you free from those things but now you use it as entertainment you'll drive around you work out, you clean the house, jam into things, and rehearsing words in your mind that God said, do not touch. Remember at the beginning of this message, eight weeks ago, I preached a message on the Spirit of God. You know what the whole passage was in 1 Thessalonians? Quench not the Spirit. Can we honestly be praising God and edifying the Spirit and being less of me and more of Him if we're rehearsing lines in our mind that literally talk about premarital sex and cussing God and cussing things and, and, and tearing down the things of God. And we wonder why we don't live in victory. 
We wonder why our kids struggle with their life and their identity and, and, and things like that when we fill our minds with things that are filled with strife and anti-God. And by the way, we, we like to talk about kids and young people when it comes to music. The principle applies to anybody. You are bought with a price. You are a child of God. It matters. You cannot mock the things of God through your music in your car and worship him on church on Sunday and think that you are pleasing to God. We are being double-minded in all of our ways and we're wondering why we're struggling so bad. You shall seek me and find me when you shall search with me for me with all of your heart. All of your heart. God's saying literally when it comes to your affections, when it comes to your thoughts, when it comes to this. And I'm not saying that you have to walk around you know, all the times like happy birthday does not glorify God. Don't, don't go weird with this, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about. It says all of your heart. Music affects your heart. It was created by God to affect your heart. It speaks to your emotions. speaks to your mind. It can change your mood. People can say that I don't really listen to the lyrics. Do you realize that you listen to every bit of it a lot more because it's made to make you listen to the lyrics? Let me get, you know, they, they spend thousands of dollars on commercials. You know what the one thing that we'll walk around doing that they know that they're doing is things like Nationwide is, wow, are you guys, do you guys all work for Nationwide? I, you realize it was just a jingle. But it is that when you listen to it enough, we all become advocates for nationwide insurance. You don't even realize it. We just naturally do it like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. We, we, We don't even realize that we're doing it. But what goes into your head, whether you realize it or not, you you it sticks there. Now, if I asked you what was the phone number that they put in there with it, you say, I don't know. What was the rate that they were advertising? I don't know. Do you know what we do remember? The jingle that they set to music sticks to in your brain. It's created by God to do that. I can prove it. Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. God said, I'm going to give you a powerful tool because in this world you're going to deal with so much garbage and strife and division and, and, and racism and hate and anger. And how do I get my mind on something else? God said, I'm going to give you something called music to where you can set your affection on things above and not on things of this earth. God gave it to us. And you're going to sit there and say, well, Pastor Tony, everybody else is doing it. Can I just make a statement? We're not everybody else. Until you get over that attitude of I'm just like everybody else. We're called to be light. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I worship the king. I follow the king. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify your body and and your spirit, which belongs to God. It's not about you. And and as long as you're going to live your life saying everybody else is doing it, well, everybody else is dealing with the garbage of this world as well. Aren't we more than conquerors through him that loved us? Weren't we called to be overcomers, to be ambassadors of truth, to to give light in the midst of darkness? Isn't that who we are? Then stop saying everybody else is doing it because we're not like everybody else. And how are they ever going to find truth or they're ever going to find light when we're we're, we're putting on our light and we're putting the bushel over it? The Bible says you have the light, but you disguise it and you act like everybody else. Then they get around us and they say, well, I don't know why I'd go to church. I don't see a difference. Yeah, they don't see a difference when we're acting just like them because everybody else is doing it. We're not like everybody else. We're called to be different. We have a distinction. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. So let me ask you this question. Does the music you listen to draw your hearts towards God? 
Let me ask you a deeper question. Does it quench the Spirit of God? And maybe you don't even answer it now, but I ask the Holy Spirit of God, when you put your earbuds in and you get home and you're working out and cleaning the house, I just want you to ask your question as you're walking around the house and they sit there and they drop the F-bomb and just, does that quench the Spirit of God? You say, I, I, drag, I clean my house to drag the garbage out. Well, God's saying, you're my house. It's time to drag the garbage out. Amen. Stop talking about your house stinking and your life stinking when you're dragging garbage from the world into it. Music directs our affection towards God. It's a way to seek him. Number two, music puts our mind on God, which is what worship is all about. This is what it is. The, the anger, the lust, the bitterness, the things like that. Whatever your mind hears, what your mind receives, what your eyes see, it, it programs. That's what you're thinking about. That's why you could watch something and say that I had, I had a bad dream about this. Well, didn't you just watch that movie? It, it affects us. Oftentimes, the music that we listen to keeps recalling to our minds the things that we're trying to overcome in our life. Now, let me show you this. It's a cool thing that we do, that we, uh, we have to be reminded of these things constantly. Because in the world, I go to church on Sunday, I'm reminded of the things of God. But in Ephesians 5.19, he opens it up and he says this, speaking to yourselves. Think about what he's saying. Now, we're talking about in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. But think about what he's saying to this. Music was designed to speak to yourself. It is a way to rehearse in your car, in the gym, or while you're cleaning, while you're working, while you're cutting grass, to speak to yourself things that you need to be reminded about. It is speaking to yourself. It is, it is the flesh versus the spirit because we all struggle with our minds. We struggle with doubt. I don't know if God's going to help me with this. I don't know if God is faithful. I don't know. I mean, God's did it there, but maybe not now. We, speak, we, we, we deal with fear. It's like, man, I'm, I'm terrified that I'm going to lose my spouse. I'm terrified that I'm going to lose my kids. And our minds just, just going through life, going through traffic jams. We're irritated. You can be irritated from the time that you leave work till the time you get home just because you had a negative thought that festered in your mind. The Bible says it's time that you do what I've given you the instruction to do. It's time that you speak to yourself. What are you doing? Well, you're not just like, hey, Tony, you're a good guy. You can do this. I'm not saying that. But that conversation does help me sometimes. Speaking to yourselves, the music says, hey, you serve the faithful God. God is good and God is able and God is already there. And you can claim the things of God that he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Remember, we're talking about music who the word of God dwells in you richly. If the word of God dwells in you richly, teaching and admonishing in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, when those two are connected, guess what? The lyrics of the song bring power to your life. Did you guys hear me? The words of the song should bring power and change and edification to your life because they're based on Scripture. They're based on the things of God. The things that you, and I'll ask you the question right now. On your Spotify account or in your Apple Music or on your car radio note right now, what do those things or those songs bring to your mind? By the way, you talk about wanting to change your life and wanting to have peace. You better, bring, you better think about things that bring peace. The Bible talked about us being Christians. And he said, think on these things. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are good. Whatsoever things are of honest report. Whatsoever things. He talked about think on these things. So here's, here's what it is. It says teaching and admonishing. That the word of Christ dwelling richly. Teaching and admonishing one another. 
You realize that every song that we sing and every song on the radio and every song on your ear pods came from somebody that read something in scripture when we were talking about worshiping God. And their goal of doing that was to teach you something while you're driving down the road. While you're pumping iron or while you're cleaning the car, you're cutting the grass or you're, you're, you're taking a walk, whatever. The goal of that was to teach and admonish. The word teach literally means as simple as this. It means to educate. God is good all the time. All the time God is good. It will teach you. It will tell you that we are more than conquerors. It will teach you and remind you of the things of God. It should teach us. But the word admonish means to edify or build up. It it, it means to reprove. It means, simply put, it means to bring to your mind. That's what the word admonish means. It brings to your mind. What does it bring into your mind? Things that edify. God gave it to us intentionally. When you're going through life and life is hard, God said, I need to bring to your mind the things that will build you up to keep you going. If you go through life and you're like, man, I'm constantly discouraged. I'm constantly down. I'm constantly frustrated. All these things. What do you bring into your mind? What in your physical playlist of your life are you listening to and does it build you up? What does it teach you? These are the things that God said. I remember, and I've told this story before, but I'll, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. We were with, uh, in the hospital. We waited all these days trying to find out what the pathology report was going to be for Logan. There was a couple of cancers that they could have literally said that we could just send you home and it could be this or that. But they said, but some of them we're going to have to address with the really hard chemo. Right away, they came in and they said, it's the worst of the worst. It's not what we were expecting. It was, it's worse than what we thought. It's not even a childhood cancer. Then they told us about all these side effects and how, how much he's going to have to be in the hospital and surgery and all this. It was a really heavy time. I had to run and, and drop something off and pick something up for Logan's medical. And, and I had to leave the hospital at the time. And I remember hearing that news and knowing that I had to leave right away because I was on a time frame to get there before they closed. And I just went out to my car and I sat there and I was just, oh, I was so tore up. I was so upset. I was like, praying and fasting for a totally different response. It wasn't what I thought. And I got in my car and I went up to the thing where you pay to get out of the parking garage. And while I did that, I'm, I'm waiting in line and I just reached down and I turned on the radio. And these songs, literally in this moment, it says, when I, when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Man, the battle belongs to you. And I, I tell you, it was literally those words in that minute. And I just stopped. And it was like all of a sudden God was saying, do you remember who you belong to? Do you know how you fight this battle? It's not about crying in your car. It's about lifting your hands up to the God that can save your kid. That's how I, that's how I fight my battles. That is, but you realize that God works through music, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what God does. Let me break that down. A psalm is a set piece of music that is a sacred ode that is used to talk to God. A lot of our music today is not psalms. If you read through psalms, you're going to find out what a psalm is. You're going to read that over and over again. A psalm is a lot of times in the Bible. Let me give you one. This is a psalm. Psalm 30 verse 12. That the end of my glory may praise unto thee and not be silent. O Lord my God. I will give these things to thee forever. Now notice what he's saying through that. Through a psalm is me talking to God. You are my God. You are my hope. It's directed towards God. Think about the song Waymaker at the beginning of that song when we sing that song. My fear doesn't stand. Oh, the wrong one. 
uh, when, we're t- when we're talking about the lyrics of that, you are here standing in this mist. I worship you. I worship you. You are here moving in our mist. I worship you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Do you see, I'm not talking about God. That is a song that I can sing in my heart in my darkest times and say, I'm going to tell you who you are. There are times that I'll be in a group where we're hanging out and things, and I'll, I'll be talking about like, hey, did you guys hear what Jenny did? Jenny, the other day, man, she, she made this incredible meal, and she made this dessert, and I came home, and the house was clean, and all the laundry was done, and da, 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 all this other stuff. And it's good that I talk about my wife. But you realize a psalm is when I go up to my wife and say, I want you to know you are a blessing to me. You are the strength that I need for every single day. You are this. A psalm directs that. But a hymn, a psalm's hymn, a hymn is something that teaches and admonishing and testifies. When we sing songs like, it is well with my soul, we are testifying the things. I'm not singing to God. When I say, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, I'm talking about my testimony. It is something that needs to be said, but not all of the words are directed towards God. I'm talking about God. But I'll tell you what it does is it reminds me about my testimony and about other people getting through. Fear doesn't have a chance when I'm standing in your love. Songs like when we sing, in Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. I'm talking about God, but I'm not talking to God. But then we have a spiritual song. A spiritual song is a song that just lifts our spirits. It is a song that excites us. It is a song that might spiritually get you moving when you're cleaning your house or you're exercising or you're driving down the road. It's just something that makes you clap, makes you smile, gets you excited. There's nothing wrong with those songs. They all through the scripture where they sang and they danced and they got excited about God. Why? They did something that was put in their mind, setting their affection on things above. When you do that, there's songs like Glorious Day, I Was Buried Beneath My Shame, who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb till I met you. Then he called my name. What do we do? I ran out of that grave. I stand and I celebrate that. You know why? Because it's a demonstration that I was dead in my sins, but God called me out and gave me life. It's a spiritual song. You cannot sing or listen to songs like that and it not affect you. Because I feel dead a lot of times. And sin pulls us down and it drags us down, and life drags us down, and maybe arguments and things at work, it pulls us down. And God whispers in your ear, hey, remember, I called you out of that grave. Don't stay there. Run to the light. Songs that make you clap your hands. Music directs our affection towards God. Music puts our mind on God. And let me finish with this. Music is an outlet for personal worship. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it is an outlet for personal worship. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace. Oh my goodness. You begin to get the words going through your mind and you're thinking, man, I don't deserve this. I'm nothing. I'm, 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 I'm not even as good as that person singing right now, but the thing is grace puts you into a place that you don't deserve. Because of the blood of Jesus, I can boldly go before the throne of grace. And in the presence of my God, there's not second-rate citizens. There's not people that you have a drug addiction in the past and you all this. And you say, man, but my life is so messed up. You can still boldly come and worship before the throne of grace because of the grace of God. I'm going to sing and express it in my heart 
to the Lord. It's an audience of one. You realize how that that's stemming from the heart. We'll be like, well, I can't sing and it's not this. And whether you're just listening to the words and it's going through your mind, speaking to yourself as you're driving down the road, it's still you thinking about God. And when it hits your tear ducts, it's a reminder, man, that God loves me that way. I promise you, the garbage of this world will never do that to your heart. It will never pick you up. It will never pull you forward. It will never remind you of the hope of heaven. It will never remind you who you are in Jesus Christ. It will never remind you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It talks about comparison and try to add up and being more beautiful and being dumped and everything else. God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I speak to myself. And I stand in that grace, singing in my heart by myself an audience of one with my earbuds as you're doing whatever you're doing, worshiping the God that is worthy of your praise.